invention that my landlord made for me. It was undercooked, but it was all right. So I don't think I'm going to die. We'll find out soon. All right. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to be introducing Connor so he can share his story. So Connor is the lay catechist slash campus pastor for Emmanuel Campus Fellowship at UW-Whitewater. He studied as an automotive technician as well as an undergraduate in philosophy and enjoys finding ways uh, that those can be used in the life of discipleship. He's a father, a husband, and the most important thing is he is a lover of carbohydrates. As something that I am sure we can all love and enjoy about him coming up into Christmas season with all the cookies we eat. So Connor, without further ado, take it away, my man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share with you all um, my story of navigating mental health struggles uh, being a Christian and uh, what that's been like for me. So it started um, winter of 2009. I was in my f uh, second year of automotive tech school in Madison and um, uh, had sort of a moment um, uh, that happened. I, it's hard to describe. Um, I won't really go into too many details about it. It might get distracting, but it, I got really fixated on something that happened to me and I couldn't get my mind off of it. And it was really frustrating. Uh, I remember I was watching uh, the TV show Dexter uh, a, a lot at the time. And it was really weird because I remember just like stop, I stopped watching Dexter because I was so distracted by this like intense thought spiral in my, in my own head that I couldn't detach myself from, right? So, so, if any of you have experienced anxiety and depression, you know that typically anxiety is like a peak and then you crash into a depression. Um, is usually kind of what happens. It can kind of come in waves. Uh, so I was really anxious and having these thought patterns and then I crashed into a depression uh, and I pushed back against it really, really hard. Um, and I really resisted the pull of the depression and I wanted to just get back to where I was. You know, I think like the immediate response a lot of people have to these experiences is like, I just want to go back to how things were. I don't want to experience this right now. And so I really, really fought it hard. And, you know, that just kind of perpetuates it. Um, and I kept having thoughts come into my mind that didn't feel like mine. And I felt like I couldn't control them and I couldn't keep them focused or unfocused on certain things. Like they just felt like they had the, a life of their own. And it was incredibly scary because you just feel like you're not in control <laughs> of like your own mind. Um, like these thoughts and were just happening to you. Um, so I spent a lot of time and energy really trying to solve those things. And it just, again, it perpetuates it. So sometime in early 2010, uh, I went one night in my house, I don't know if you all have experienced this, but some nights you just don't want to sleep under your bed. You just want to go sleep on a couch or something. And so I went and slept on my couch. I was still living with my parents at the time. And I just was so fixated in my thought patterns. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking. Um, and so I just stayed up all night. I woke up or I, I, I maybe dozed off for a little bit, but I, I was, I remember sitting on my sofa like five, five in the morning, sun was coming up and my mom came out uh, and she, you know, I, I told her like, yeah, I've just been really feeling a lot of anxiety. It feels like I just feel like I can't stop thinking and I have a lot of trouble just turning my mind off and stopping. And um, she was doing, she would get up in the morning and read, read her Bible, I remember. And so she 
opened her Bible and read to me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which in the NIV is uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And I didn't know the significance of that at the time, but I, I remember like something in me was like, this is very significant. And it, it, it impacted me immediately as like, something's really important here. And uh, so I kind of like held on to that. And I found it helpful, but I was like really hesitant to like deal with myself um, and thought that sort of like, uh, you know, just, I can just keep thinking about it and I'll get over it. So late spring 2010, I started counseling. Um, and I, I really didn't open up in counseling for a while. Counseling is kind of weird. I don't know if you, you sort of go and you're like, okay, I'm at counseling. I should be getting better. But then you realize you're not actually doing anything to make yourself better. And uh, so then I finally like got past that and I started like opening up and really dealing with it. Um, really dealing with my anxiety and my depression. Um, initially, the counselor thought I was bipolar. Um, they decided against that and they decided, you know, general anxiety disorder. Um, and uh, so through all of this, you know, in high school, I'd, I had started to take my faith more seriously, um, specifically because my youth pastor really embodied Jesus for me, like right in front of me. He would talk with me. He cared about me. He listened to me. And, um, and through all of this, I was trying to maintain a connection and a communion with God. And I, I felt very far. And, uh, but what I, what I realized I was experiencing, you know, looking back was that I, I felt very far from the feeling that made me felt like I was near to God. And it was that feeling I kept chasing. I wanted to feel like I was close to God because if I felt close to God, then I was close to God. Um, at least that's, you know, how I perceived it. And so I just kept praying a lot. Like there were a lot of, I had a friend living in uh, Milwaukee at the time and I would drive back and forth to Milwaukee a bunch and just pray and shout in my car that I just, you know, I just want this to be done. I want to be, you know, good again. And I look back on that as actually a mistake, um, wanting that. And so like a dumb guy, I started dating a woman thinking that would make things better. And surprise, it didn't. Um, in the midst that's, the, that's the least shocking thing you've said so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in the midst of all this, you know, the dating and depression uh, and the anxiety I was experiencing, I was attending an Anglican church. Uh, the priest was a good friend, uh, was a uh, good friend's dad. He was really wise and we became really close friends. We still are. Um, and, you know, what I was experiencing was the inability to disconnect my thoughts from something. I felt very fixated on things and I felt very like burdened by the inability to solve whatever it is I was fixated on. You know, I couldn't unstick myself from something until I quote unquote figured it out, which course the open secret is you can't figure it out <laughs> which <laughs> um but that that comes with time i guess uh so I, I came to him you know we developed a really close friendship and he began mentoring me and he was just very wise warm serious fatherly presence to me and um 
I came to him one day and I had a lot of depression and frustration and hopelessness. Um, and I remember we were sitting in his, in his, at his dining room table and we were talking and I was just in tears. I was so frustrated and so worn and so just exhausted. And he'll, he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, uh, well, I, I said to him, you know, I just want to stop feeling like, I just want to get over this. Like, I'm so frustrated with this. And he's like, you know, Connor, Jesus doesn't ask you to feel okay, but to just be faithful. And that, again, was something that I knew was incredibly important to remember, but I just didn't know how important it was to remember at the time. But I remember when he said it, I just felt this massive burden lift off of me. Like, it was okay if I felt like this. Like something about that is okay. And I can still follow Jesus. I can still be faithful. I can still do things. Um, and then he asked me, which was sort of a surprise to me, do you want to train to be a youth pastor? <laughs> I, I, I remember looking back, I'm like, here's this depressed kid. Like, and you're going to ask him to train to be a youth pastor. <laughs> like maybe that wasn't a great ministerial move, but he's wiser than me. So I trusted him. Um, and everything in me said yes. Everything in me was like, yes, I want to do that because I felt so loved and supported and encouraged in my faith and in my life by um, my youth pastor, my, my good friend now. Um, so started training for this. 2012 came around. I broke up with my girlfriend, really threw myself into ministry training. And at the time, um, I met a couple that began attending our church uh, who were from Texas, and uh, the guy was pursuing his PhD in philosophy at UW-Madison. Us three became really close friends. They're still such a great couple. He teaches out at UC Davis in California, and um, uh, I talked with him a lot about philosophy, and I found, you know, again, looking back, I began to see that philosophy and theology for me were a place where I could direct this like focus of my mind. It could sort of get taken off other things and be focused on this stuff. Now I've had to learn to like detach it from even those things, right? Like that can, I can get too pulled into those. Um, but I found like the energy and like the mental energy I was experiencing and like the mental frustration could all really kind of be um, focused on, something that's actually really productive and can be really encouraging and helpful. Um, so hung out with him a lot, started reading and talking. And, and then um, I met who is now my wife. Um, I met Bethany in the fall of 2013. She started coming to, to the church there where I was a youth pastor. And so we started dating, we got engaged. And during our engagement, um, I started pursuing uh more education, you know, I wanted to look at seminary or something like that. And I was like, well, I got to start somewhere. So I started doing general courses at local tech college. And it was like October of 2014. So we were, we were, we were engaged. We, uh, I proposed to her in July of 2014. Uh, we were married May of 2015. And uh, October 2014, I sunk into a huge depression and had a huge, like, it's like a black hole. It just pulls you in. And 
did sort of a similar thing, kicked against it, pushed against it, wanted to figure it out and just was having a huge rough time with it. And what made it extra scary, right? Is like, I'm going to get married and she has to deal with this now. Like, and for me, that really freaked me out. Like now everything about my mental health is not just on me, but like on somebody I'm going to be with every day for the rest of my life. And I mean, that actually absolutely terrified me. And uh, she, she actually told me later, she's like, I thought you were going to break off our engagement. And I was like, no, I would never, I was never going to do that. Like I, I would never, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to like get through it. And so it was winter 2014 into the early year of 2015, I began taking um, fluoxetine, uh, which is an SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, and so that was when I first began taking medication um, and found it really had, it had some weird side effects, kind of got, you know, the, the dose figured out um, really helped me because one thing that I experienced during my uh, just being in the clutches of anxiety and depression was I had a lot of intense bodily, like physical reactions. I would gag on eating food like, cause my body was in like fight or flight mode. Cause your anxiety is just so high. Um, and I would gag on eating food. I had a hard time sleeping. I, uh, just really, I stopped like exercising a lot. I used to be huge into like weightlifting and exercising. I just stopped. Um, and so I found that I finally got a little bit of space from my physical, my physiological reactions to my anxiety. And for me, that was immensely helpful because then I felt like I could really begin, um, dealing with a lot of the, the cognitive processes that I've, that I've um, had my whole life. And I realized as I've looked back over my life, I've, I've dealt with this ever since I was a kid. Like I had a hard time sleeping as a kid. I couldn't shut my mind off as a kid. And um, so, so, so anyway, so Bethany and I get married and uh, it, it gets better and better. And I see more, you know, continue medication, continue counseling, continue working through it. Um, and it was, gosh, probably two or three years ago. Now I started seeing a different counselor and he ran a whole different set of, um, like diagnostic stuff on me and was like, you have textbook obsessive compulsive disorder. You have obsessive thought patterns, which focus on something, you know, whatever it is I'll come home. So for example, I'll come home from work or I'll come home from the day and there'll be a bunch of dishes on the counter. I literally cannot focus on anything else until I get the dishes done. Everything else, like, and it feels like I'm doing something wrong if I leave the dishes there. And my mind is just like, do the dishes, do the dishes, like, and get them done. Like, Lydia, get out of my way. Like, that's my daughter. And uh, like, I'm going to put you in your crib because I just need to get these dishes done. And like, it's, it's, oh, it's so frustrating. And he's like, that's obsessive thought. Those are obsessive thought patterns. That's literally what it is. And I don't, I don't experience compulsive behaviors. Like I don't, you know, check the microwave five times, wash my hands five times, check the door. Five, you know, I don't do anything like that. Um, but I do deal with the obsessive thought patterns. And so to, to sort of like bring that to a conclusion, I've gotten much better at a coping with those things, but also B I've gotten a lot better at realizing that to, to follow Jesus is to not um, have to feel okay all the time. 
that you can still be faithful in the things that he calls you to, even if you feel like really depressed, even if you feel really frustrated, um, that being sad, I mean, it's much more than being sad, but, but, you know, really, really slogging through the, like the thick muck of your own mind, um, that you can, you can tell yourself, like what I've learned to do over time was to say, I don't have to think this right now. What does Jesus ask me to do right now? What does it look like to be faithful right now? And if that means just sit down and play with your daughter, just go, go take the garbage out quick, make sure the house is clean, make the bed, um, you know, call a couple students and see how they're doing and pray for them. Get some Bible study stuff, right? Like take it piece by piece and say, this is how to be faithful. And that's it. Um, so I've learned, I'm still learning, um, taking those things, you know, piece by piece. And that, um, that, that again, God doesn't call me to feel okay. He calls me to say, this is the way of obedience. It's okay that you're, you're experiencing this. We'll deal with that, but come and follow me. Right. Like, um, so to connect it to Proverbs three, five, and six, right. Um, it's sort of a weird thing to experience the obsessive compulsiveness that I have um, because in a many ways you can't always take, take your own mind as correct, which is really weird. I, I talked, I talked with a friend in my philosophy program. Uh, we were talking about this and, and he's not a Christian, um, but we were talking about like, you know, sources of knowledge, where does knowledge come from? And like, how do you know things that are true? And like, how can you be sure and stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, I experienced mental health issues, obsessive compulsiveness. And like, I, I struggled to, to like accept my own thought patterns as like, they get fixated on this thing and I can't let go of it. And it's like, well, why trust that? And I, I told that to him and he was like, what else do you have then? <laughs> like if you, if you yourself are, are, are somehow, you know, C.S. Lewis's word is bent, right? Like all human beings are bent. Everything about us is somehow bent. It's still good. It's still God's image, but it's bent. And he was like, what else do you have? And I was like, well, thank God for Jesus, <laughs> like for somebody else to tell me what to do and who is trustworthy, like who I can say, you know, I, I always feel like, like when I would be in these really intense moments of like anxiety and depression, I kept coming back to Proverbs three, five, and six. Okay. Don't lean on your understanding right now. It's, it's being hijacked in a lot of ways by this neurological dysfunction and bentness that you experience. Um, so what do I cling to? I cling to what Jesus tells me to do, which is just to follow him. <laughs> like just follow me, obey me keep following me, keep following me. Don't stop. And, and it was funny. There were, there were a couple of times I came to myself and I was like, am I not going to be a Christian or something like experiencing this? And I would always, I would always come to when uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus and John, I think it's chapter eight or six, uh, where he talks about, I'm the bread of life and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is, uh, has if you don't do that you have no part in me and and the people after they hear him say this say this is a hard saying who can accept this and they walk away 
And then he turns to the disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? And then Peter says, where are we going to go? <laughs> like, you have the words of eternal life. And I always would, I always would come to that. I'm like, where would I go? Like, what would I do? I, I can't go anywhere else. And it was almost freeing because then it's like, okay, then just, just keep, keep looking each day to say, whether I'm experiencing depression or anxiety or wrestling with obsessive thought patterns, what does Jesus ask of me today? How do I just be faithful? And um, that's what I've been learning a lot and will continue to learn um, following Jesus. And something that I've been grateful to learn here in Whitewater with like, like you know, like the students I work with is just talking with you for like 20 minutes is such an encouragement to me. And then I always remind myself after like, okay, you did it. You, fought, you were faithful with what God gave you to do. Nice job. And it's been nice. I've sort of been dealing, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is sort of retraining how you think. And um, it's really difficult, but it's working. Um, God is using it to retrain me so that I can be more present with like students and be more present with people and minister to them. And uh, it's really, um, I, looking back, I've come, you know, I've come a long way and I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of people praying for me and a lot of people giving me advice and wisdom that I needed. Um, and I'm still working through it, but you know, God has been very patient with me and faithful to me. And it's been very, it's been a journey and it'll continue to be one. Well, that was pretty incredible. Uh <laughs> Abby, any thoughts? I mean, I, I wish you guys could have seen her reaction to most of this stuff because she would say something and she would just kind of like raise the hands, praise God, hallelujah, to a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, if you guys are excited to listen to Connor more, uh, come to church because that's what we get. <laughs> well, you did the clappy emoji, so nobody saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Abby, any thoughts about that? Any questions, follow-ups, anything like that? Well, I wrote a ton of notes on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> You know, God forbid, use like a notebook or something, right? I forgot to grab paper, but oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to listen to this so many times. Um, it's so profound what you said about like Jesus not asking us to just like to feel okay or to you know be be okay, you know, but to be faithful and to like you said, to um, just focus on on that and whatever that is, whether it's, yeah, spending time with your daughter right then or, you know, like, I think personally, sometimes I can feel so much just shame for, like, how I'm feeling in a moment, and then I get completely sidetracked and overwhelmed where I can't even look beyond that to anything mm -hmm. else in life, and so I think it's amazing how um, you know, God put those people in your life at that, at these different times to, to give you those little nuggets of, you know, that, that you didn't even know how significant those things would be. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Thank you so much for the story of God meeting you where you're at. Connor was in his place, he was in the dark, deep place, and the Lord was willing to come down from his throne and carry you throughout that. I mean, there's that cliched uh, story, right? The, the footprints in the sand or whatever, where there's two, two sets of footprints when the, uh, 
when the times are good and there's one set when things are not good. Man's like, well, why do you leave me? He's like, I'm not leaving you, man. I'm carrying you. You're not, you're not walking. I'm carrying you. I think it's a really powerful image. And it kind of shows where Connor is at. He needed to be carried. And the Lord was like, well, you know, I'm not going to let you die there. I'm not going to let you sit there. I'm going to take care of you. Because that's what a good father does. Hmm. Yeah, That's powerful. I, uh, my background on my computer is a sixth century uh, painting of Jesus with a guy named St. Manus. Manus? Manus? I don't know how to say it. Um, and uh, it's really powerful to me. Um, Jesus is holding the scriptures and he's got his arm around this guy. And I think in the Greek around it, I, I can't, I think it says something like, you know, the Lord is over here. And then like friend or something like that. And like that, that reality of Jesus being our friend, like through that is like really, it's been like really important to me to re it's been a really important theological reality that I think I haven't understood the significance of for a long time until I began really processing this because to have a friend with you like through that is like, it's, I mean, words can't describe how comforting it is. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Cause it can, yeah. I mean, to, to be going through dark valleys like that can be really lonely if especially if you don't think other people can like relate exactly mm -hmm. to it and to know that Jesus is calls us friend it's powerful for those of you who don't know Connor personally the fact that he has a sixth century painting as his background is probably the most Connor thing that you could ever learn about him so <laughs> That's not shocking one bit if, if, if you set up in disbelief. That's just Connor. Well, Connor, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, when we were doing the planning, it's like, yeah, I might go like five to 10 minutes and 30 minutes later, here we are. So this is absolutely wonderful. That was not 30 minutes, was it? That was pretty close to 30 minutes. That was great. When he hit five minutes, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be more than 10. This is perfect. So <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely wonderful to hear your story, man. It's absolutely wonderful for you to be super open and honest with you. And I think... I mean, that's, it's just wonderful. We're just really appreciative. I hope that uh, your story touches people. I hope that your story will uh, sit well with our listeners and that they'll, they'll be moved. Um, they'll be moved to be that friend to someone else, but also just to encourage people. It's a wonderful story. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Connor. That was really a blessing to, to hear your, your journey and with a lot of admiration for how you've, how you've walked through that and I have a lot of questions now too about things but I'll wait <laughs> yeah no that's fine no I thank you guys I appreciate that well everybody thank you so much for for listening to this podcast tonight and for joining us for Connor's story really appreciate you all and yeah I hope I hope that you can resonate I'm sure you can with, with some of these things we talked about tonight. So thank you so much and God bless you guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>